So have you ever had an old clock that didn't work? There's a story told about a, a guy that lived in a small town, lived up on top of a hill in a pretty decent house, and, and he had a, a grandfather clock that was down at the end of, of one of the, the halls there in his house, and, and the clock quit working. He didn't know what to do. So he called the local clock repair place, and they said, hey, yep, we can help you, but it's going to be $200 if we have to come pick it up. He's like, no big deal. I'm just going to get it to you. This guy's a pretty strapping guy. He felt pretty good about himself, so he just tied the grandfather clock to his back, started walking down that big hill into town. About halfway down, he slipped, and he started rolling and rumbling and stumbling and bumbling down to the bottom of the hill. And when he got to the bottom with that big clock on his back, there was an old man walking down the sidewalk. Well, he plowed right into that old man with that clock on his back. Big crash. Everybody fell to the ground. The old man slowly got up, pretty angry. He looked at the guy and he said, can you just be like everybody else and just wear a watch? It'll be funnier after lunch. It's okay. Anybody ever said anything like that to you? Can you just be like everybody else? Why can't you just be like everybody Why can't you just do what everybody else is doing? The other word we have for that is peer pressure. Peer pressure is when you give in in some way to uh, the crowd around you, especially uh, the crowd your age is usually what it's associated with. I saw a quote recently that's been attributed to an older woman, and she said this, one advantage of being 102 years old, there's no peer pressure. <laughs> She's on her own. But is there a good kind of peer pressure? Is there a type of peer pressure that's actually helpful to you, helpful to your heart and your mind and your soul? A type of, of peer pressure that actually will help your heart and your mind and your soul when you feel like everything in your life just feels like it's in the dark, that you're just surrounded by darkness. Well, there is. There's a kind of peer pressure that is helpful. And we're going to ask Simon Peter to help us. Peter was one of the closest friends of Jesus. He was writing to some folks that were experiencing some darkness in life. They were feeling a lot of pressure in life. They were anxious. They were afraid. They were angry. They were frustrated. They felt like nothing in life was going to change. Ever felt any of those things? Well, Peter wanted to encourage him. So how does he do that? Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. He writes, For you once were not a people. If you're looking for a way to encourage somebody, just tell them they're not a people. You know? Tell them they're a rejected loser, that they're a nobody. That's, that's a pretty good pep rally. Well, that's not what Peter's doing. What he's actually trying to do is he's trying to help them find their identity, to find their identity. I was reading an article recently about what older Christian men should be saying to younger men. What older Christian men should be saying to younger men. And the one thing it said above and beyond anything else, the most important thing that an older Christian man can be saying to a younger man is this. Find your identity in Christ. Find your identity in Christ. Now, how do we find our identity in life? Well, truthfully, most of the time, we seem to find our identity in our titles, right? Are you a, a child? Are you a sibling? Are you a spouse? Are you a student? Are you a senior adult? Are you a teenager? Are you a parent, a grandparent? 
You know, we, we have these titles in life that sometimes kind of define who we are. We begin to think, well, my identity is in who I am in this title. Or maybe it's, it's something outside of family and friend relationships. Maybe, you know, are you an American? Are you a South Carolinian? Are you a Democrat? Are you a, a Republican? Are you a vegetarian? Are you a pescatarian? Are you an ice creamitarian? Are you a pork bellyitarian? You know, what is it that you are in life? Sometimes those things, we, we, we make those our identity. And sometimes we make our identity in our sports teams and our hobbies and our, our favorite charity or or, or maybe even our favorite music. You know, we, we get wrapped up and our identity becomes in, in things and people. And none of those things are, are bad or wrong. They're not. It's just that none of those things define our ultimate identity in life. They can be used to describe our identity to a certain degree, but not ultimately. Your ultimate identity is defined by where you are in relation to God. That, that's your ultimate identity. Where are you in relation to God? Are you a friend of God or are you an enemy of God? The Bible doesn't give us any other categories, friend of God or, or enemy of God, for God or against God. Where are you in your relation to God? That's where you'll find your ultimate identity. King David said this in Psalm 139, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It is good that we were born. It is good that we are young. It is good that we are old. It's good to be alive. It's good. But being right with God, being in a right relationship with God is more than just being fearfully and wonderfully made. It's more than just being alive. There is more to it. A lot more to it. I was in a breakfast joint this morning, uh, not this morning, this week, one morning this week, one of those things, and I was sitting there, and this guy came in, and, and as an older guy, and he went over and sat by this other older guy, and he was like, hey, man, how you doing this morning? And the other guy goes, ah, you know, any day above ground's a good day, you know? You probably heard somebody say that, and it's true. There's a lot of truth in that statement. But there's also a lot of truth in what the Apostle Paul said. To live as Christ... And to die is gain. That means when we look at the truth of this, it means that, yes, it is true to be above ground is a good thing. As a believer, if you're above ground, you have Christ. But if you're below ground, it's a good thing too. <laughs> because being below ground means you're not below ground. It means you are with Christ forever and ever and ever. Identity is found in that. To be absolutely free from all of the things that create the most fear and anger and stress in our life, right? Because to be in Christ means that above ground I have Christ, below ground I gain Christ all the more, and it also means I'm forever free from being at malfunction junction in traffic. I'm forever free from, from taxes and bills. I'm, I'm forever free from gas prices. I'm forever free from home repair. I'm forever free from slow computers. I'm forever free from stress and strain and guilt and blame. I'm forever free from sickness and pain and death. That is identity. Your ultimate identity is found in Christ. 
Above ground, you have Christ. Below ground, you gain Christ forever. That's where identity happens. So do you have that below ground confidence? Because the below ground confidence is why we say the ultimate reality of your identity is strategically connected to where you are in relation to God. Because above or below, all is well when things are right with you and God. Who you are has much more to do than just you being alive. Who you are has much more to do than just you being fearfully and wonderfully made. I came across a a challenging and encouraging insight uh, from Jen Wilkin a couple of weeks ago. She said this, You can tell me that I am a royal daughter of the king. You can assure me that I am God's poem or his masterpiece. You can tell me that I stir the heart of God, that I am sung over and delighted in, that I am beautiful in his eyes, that I am set apart for a sacred purpose. You can tell me these things, and you should. But I beg you, don't tell me who I am until you have caused me to gaze in awe at I am. I am. One of the ways that that God has named himself, described himself, defined himself is I am who I am. What does that mean? What what does the I am who I am mean? Well, we sing a song every now and then and, and it describes it this way. That God has no rival and God has no equal. He reigns now and he reigns forever. It means that his kingdom is the highest kingdom, that his glory is the greatest glory, and that his name is above every other name. I am who I am. Your ultimate identity is connected to that statement. Where are you right now in relation to I am who I am? Your ultimate identity cannot be found in your family. Your ultimate identity cannot be found in your nationality. Your ultimate identity cannot be found in in the color of your skin or or anything else that you own or, or something that's hanging on your wall, a degree, a certificate. None of those things are where your ultimate identity comes in. They cannot define you. Your ultimate identity is found in who you are above ground and who you will be below ground. That's your ultimate identity. And why is it like that? The Apostle Paul said this to the folks at Rome. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, we fall short of the glory of God. We, We lack the glory of God. We don't measure up to the glory of God. It's not there. Sam Albury was writing an article and he made this comment. There is a kind of equality you get with the message of Jesus that you don't get in a secular society that prides itself on equality. This is very important. I'm going to read it again and make a couple of comments. There is a kind of equality you get with the message of Jesus that you don't get in a secular society that prides itself on equality. We are living in a time where that is one of the biggest catchwords anywhere. Equality, equality, equality. And it takes about 33 
0.2 seconds to realize in most conversations about equality that the person screaming about equality does not observe equality in their lives. You know why? Because none of us are perfect. (laughs) We're all sinful. Every single one of us. We're hypocrites. We all are. I weigh myself every morning and then I eat three donuts before breakfast. Why am I weighing? I know what's going to happen. We're all hypocrites. And we should own that. If you can't own that, life will be really hard. We're all hypocrites. We're not perfect. But, but here's the thing. In, in, in this world demanding equality, no one can do it. No one can grant equality in any conversation except one. And that's the message of Jesus. When it comes to Jesus, we're equal. There is perfect equality when it comes to Jesus. Why? Because we all fall short. We all lack. Everybody does. No no matter how you describe your identity, you fall short of the glory of God. No, No matter what color your skin is, you fall short of the glory of God. No matter which side of the tracks or the river you were born on, you fall short of the glory of God. No matter what country you were born in, you fall short of the glory of God. No matter how many days you do or don't go to church, you fall short of the glory of God. All fall short of the glory of God. Perfect equality. When it comes to the message of Jesus, there is perfect equality because we have all sinned and we all fall short. When it comes to universal identity, the universal reality of sin, we are all equal because we all fall short of the glory of God. Can I just give you an evangelistic encouragement? That's a great way to start a conversation with somebody. If somebody opposes your political beliefs or your religious beliefs or your beliefs about, you know, bacon or donuts or the color of cars or what kind of car you should drive, a great place to start in your mind is to remember that you're equal with that person, that that we all fall short of the glory of God, that we're all dead in our sins. We're all in need of being brought to life. So maybe a great question for your heart today is this, are you still dead in your sins? Is that still the truth of the reality of your life? Have you been brought to life in and through Jesus Christ? Where are you in relation to I am who I am? Because that's where identity is seen. Have you seen that God is holy, 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 and that you are not, not, not? Have you seen the the greatness of who God is? Have have you seen and heard that it is from his holiness that he has made a way to change your life? That he has made a way to to see that you are loved? That he has made a way to transfer you out of the darkness of sin and transfer you into his marvelous light in and through salvation in Jesus? Have you seen that? Have you found your identity in Christ? Christ. Older Christian men should be telling younger men, find your identity in Christ. More than anything else, find your identity in Christ. So is that what's happening? Older men, older Christian men, are you you helping 
younger men find their identity in Christ? Is that what you're saying to your, your sons, to your grandsons, to your nephews, to, to the, the young men that you may know in church, that you may see in the hallway? Older women, is that what you're saying to the younger women? Is that what you're saying to your daughters and your nieces and your granddaughters and maybe the younger women that you're seeing in church? Is your ultimate message, hey, find your identity in Christ? Find your identity in Christ. Degrees are super. Careers are super. Houses are super. SUVs are super. Minivans are, you know, they're okay. I mean, they work. They do their thing. Friendsgiving is super. Families are super. But none of those things and none of those people help your identity below ground. They're all good. They're all great. But it is only in Christ that your identity above and below ground is the same, so to speak. You see, Jesus impacts everything. Jesus gives definition to every second of your life and more gloriously gives every joy and hope to every second after your death. Jesus is the greatest reality in the universe. He is the greatest treasure in the universe. So find your identity in Christ. Now, the truth is, all of us, we, we push against it. But there are many people that push against it even more. Many people that, that fight it, they reject it, they don't want to have anything to do with God, don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. But here's the problem. Every single one of us, we've been born with a witness inside. We've been born with a sensor inside. And that sensor tells us that we fall short. We may not connect it with God, we may not connect it with religion, but every single one of us, we know we fall short. We know in the heart of hearts and minds of minds that we are not perfect, that we fall short, that we lack, that we don't measure up. But that witness inside of us, that sensor inside of us, it also tells us this. There's one true God. Again, we fight against it. We can push against it. We can try to explain it away and argue and debate about it. But our hearts know there is one true creator God. And that one true creator God fearfully and wonderfully made you. And that one true creator God, listen, he loves you. He loves you. And he loves you so much that he has done this thing that's impossible to comprehend. He's made a way for you to measure up. He's made a way for you to no longer lack. He's made a way for the darkness to go away. He's made a way through Jesus for you to be transferred into the life and light and hope of his love through salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, salvation in Jesus Christ is not a Baptist catchphrase, okay? It's not a succinct little theological statement to try to, you know, see if we can scare you out of hell. No, salvation in Jesus Christ is the opposite of rejection. Salvation in Jesus Christ is the opposite of being a nobody. Salvation in Jesus Christ is the opposite of not being a people. Salvation in Jesus Christ is the first and ultimate and most satisfying hope of your soul. So find your identity in Christ because it's what your soul longs for the most. 
But what does that look like in real life? What does it look like to, to find your identity in Christ? Like this afternoon, you know, when, when something gets frustrating or, or tomorrow or, you know, Thursday night. What does it look like to have your identity in Christ? Constantine Campbell put it this way. Each day, often each moment, when you find yourself despairing of love, anybody despaired of love this week? When you find yourself despairing of love, look to Christ. When you find yourself seeking affirmation, look to Christ. When you find yourself needing to feel significant, look to Christ. When you have been slighted or treated unjustly, look to Christ. Why? Why do we keep looking to Christ? Here's why. Your parents will not always be there. And your spouse will not always be there. And your kids will not always be there. And your grandparents will not always be there. And your friends will not always be there. And your pastor will not always be there. But Jesus will. Jesus will always be there. So we look to Christ and we look to Christ and we look to Christ because he is our identity. He is our hope. If we put our hope anywhere else, we will lose. We will lose. There's no option. But to put our identity in Christ, to wrap up who we are in Christ, it brings us the first and final and most ultimately satisfying hope that our souls could possibly know. Where are you in relation to I am who I am? Where is your identity? Is it in Christ? So Peter seems to start with some crummy news, right? Oh, you remember you're not a people. But then he has some encouraging news. Verse 10. But now you are the people of God. I share this story about once a year in a sermon, and I, I never tire of hearing of it. Um, Brent and Mary and Martin are two of the coolest people that I know. Uh, their daughter, Tess, will be 14 in just a few months. And a few weeks after they adopted Tess, uh, Brent was preaching at our church. And this is what he said. You don't earn adoption. Tess was chosen. She was not looking for us. We were looking for her. And the first second my eyes met hers, she had status. It was instant. She was a Martin. Everything I had or would ever have was now hers because she was now mine. In the seconds before I saw her, I had never known her and the moment I did see her she had everything that would ever be mine and this is what he said this is what God does we get the family name and all that he owns I don't know what kind of week you've had but if you're a Christian you are now the people of God and nothing can change that. Nothing. Nothing at work, nothing at school, nothing from the doctor, nothing in an election, nothing can change that. Nothing you hear or see will change that you are the people of God. You are now the people of God. You have God and everything that he owns. So what we're saying is this. If you're an older Christian man, if you're an older Christian woman, 
or even just you, if you're a Christian, keep living, keep breathing, keep speaking, keep proclaiming, keep preaching one simple message, and that message is this, find your identity in Christ. Find your identity in Christ. Everything is connected to you being identified with Christ. You were not a people, now you are a people, and that changes everything. The reality, reality of being adopted into the family of God, it matters when you feel like you're in the dark. It matters. To be adopted into the family of God, to be known by God, to be His, it changes. To have salvation in Jesus Christ, it changes every moment that you feel surrounded by darkness. And my guess is you felt surrounded by darkness at least once this week. There's something in your marriage that feels dark. There's something with your kids that feel dark. There's something at work, something at church, something in the community. Something feels dark. But salvation in Jesus Christ changes it all. Why? Look at the last part of verse 10. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Only Jesus can change the math. Only Jesus can say, well, you once were people, but now you are people. You once had no mercy, but, but now you have mercy. The highest peak in your life. This, this morning I was uh, looking on Instagram. I'm, I'm pretty sure my friend uh, Will uh, is in Nepal to climb Mount Everest, I think. Uh, he's showing pictures from over there. So he's, he's going to go to the highest peak in the world. The highest peak of your life is your identity in Christ. The highest peak, the most important reality of your life is your identity in Christ. If you have not turned to Christ, you do not have identity in Christ. You've been separated from God, and there's not a good end to that story. So we would plead with you again, find your identity in Christ. Turn to Jesus. Repent. Receive his salvation. Find the satisfying hope that lasts above and below ground. But if you have, if you have turn to Christ. And, and please know this. I, I love this thought from Marshall Siegel. You are not who you were. Own that. You are not who you were. You are not what you feel. You are not where you are tempted to fall. Now you're his. Now you're his. Now you're part of the family and everything that God owns. It's all yours in Christ. I saw something sad and interesting this week. It said this, a boy used to become a man at 21, then it was 30, now it's 40. There are a few things sadder than a 36-year-old boy, but they're out there in bulk. In other words, we're just not growing up in the world anymore. We're not becoming men and women at the age that men and women should be becoming men and women. So how do we change that? How do we, how do we change this, this lack of identity that, that's sweeping across the world, really? Well, it's going to take some peer pressure. It's going to take a, a little bit of peer pressure. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look around your life, maybe in this room, maybe somewhere else, and I want you to think of someone who's at least 10 years older than you. And I want you to consider, hey, you know what? I, 
I think that's the person I'd like to be like. I think I'd like to be like her. I, I think I'd like to be like him. Who, who is a person in your life that you would say, yeah, when I grow up, I want to I be more like him. I want to be more like her. Now, let me encourage you. Don't just go for somebody who's a hard worker. Don't just go for somebody that makes a, a great peach cobbler. Don't go for somebody just because they're, they're good at their job or they've saved well or they're a good retiree or, or you know, they're a great athlete or they have great hair, or, you know, whatever it may be, okay? Don't go for the people that you'd say, well, I want that car and I want that house, I want that life, I, I want kids like that, I want grandkids like that. Don't go just looking at the external things, all those other things are there. Who's the person that you can think of that you say, yeah, that man, that woman, they found their identity in Christ. That's what you look for. See, here's the thing about being younger. When you're younger, we, we tend to kind of lose our minds over almost everything that's happening, right? I was uh, talking uh, yesterday with a... Uh, uh, a volunteer young leader of high school students <laughs> and it was just funny and sad and real to listen to how much drama is involved with this small group of high school students that they invest in you know once or twice a week but you know that's that's how it is oftentimes when we're young right there's a lot of drama you know everything feels like the end of the world you know every boy's rejection every girl's rejection you know every pimple on our face you know I mean everything it just feels so overwhelming it just feels like it's it's the end of the world we we seem to get so emotional and so finalized we see that even now we we see the the screaming and the yelling and the anger amongst so many in our in our younger generation but we're all like that to some degree but see here's the beauty of what it means to find your identity in Christ Constantine Campbell says this the older you get, the more your union with Christ becomes a discernibly meaningful and stabilizing reality. So, do you want a meaningful, stable life? Or let's just say this, do you want a more meaningful and more stable life? Then find your identity in Christ. Find your identity in Christ. Let me just make a stereotypical blanket statement right now. The events of the last two years, from my perspective, interacting with hundreds of people inside and outside of our church of all different ages, from all different states and countries, the one thing that I have seen that seems to be in common is the events of the last two years seem to have rattled everybody, you know? I see college students frustrated and I see senior adults losing their minds. It seems to rattle all of us. So the joy of what it means to find our identity in Christ, no matter what age we are, is there is something about knowing Jesus that calms us down. There's something about knowing Jesus that gives us hope. There's something about knowing Jesus that increases our happiness. There's something about knowing Jesus that helps us fight stress and strain and anger and worry and fear. They'll still be there, but there's something about Jesus that makes life more meaningful 
and more stable. So, find that person who has found their identity in Christ. Look at them, pay attention to their lives, but then do this. Because of who God is, because of of what Jesus has done, do this for you. Find your identity in Christ. Find your identity in Christ. There is no greater hope and no greater satisfaction for your soul than knowing that you are his.